The other side of that, it's the worst Irish defensive performance I've seen in a long, long time. The Aaron Smith, he's truly, truly wonderful player. He's one of the best players who's ever played the game. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Hello there, welcome along to Off The Ball on this Monday evening. So we have lots to get through. Uh, Sean O'Shea and his heroics. A lot of people said it was Brian Sheehan-esque so we thought, well, let's speak to the man himself. Brian Sheehan's going to join us on GA after 9 o'clock. Colin Boyle as well on a glorious extraordinary uh, drama-filled second half in particular at Crow Park yesterday and uh, we'll talk about the weekend at large as well so Brian Sheen Colin Boyle on the way there was the small matter of Ireland beating New Zealand again that's just what we do these days it seems so Matt Williams Rory O'Connor are on the way on Monday Night Rugby and then uh, very interesting couple of weeks at Wimbledon so Caitlin Thompson will run the rule on uh, Wimbledon 2022 that is all on the way 53106 the text number we're at off the ball on Twitter Richie McCormick good evening sir Joe, how are you? You well? Yeah, very well, very well. And Dave McIntyre, I saw Dave, you tweeted, you were drained, drained after the second (laughs) half at Crow Park yesterday. It was almost as if you were playing. Almost. In fact, some would say I put even more of an effort than some of the players did, but (laughs) I was drained. It was, I know it's a 70 odd minute game and um, it's in terms of the games I tend to do, it is the shortest of them all, of all the codes I cover, but it was just a suffocating atmosphere. It was the first time I've been part of a commentary where Croke Park is full since 2019. This was very warm pitch side and it was an incredible occasion and it was just a, a pleasure to be in the commentary position with Sky for the afternoon and what a game myself and, and Don he got to, to work on together. It's one I'll remember for a long time. Just absolutely brilliant. What an electric moment when Costello's goal went in and we realised actually we're going to get a bit of a game here because I thought at half time Richie it was looking very ominous. Yeah, um, it, it's that period in the second half. I think the forty-two at that um, that uh, stat up was like between the forty-third and seventy-third minute. Kerry scored two points. Like right. that's an awfully long time in an All Ireland semi-final to be going barren and against the side who you know are going to come at you. Like I think. I don't want to say we rode off Dublin earlier on in the season but there is certainly a sense that they'd come back to the pack and I think that's held true but they are still a very good football side and if you give them any inch of wiggle room they will come and hammer you and if you give them uh, the the amount of ball that Kerry did in the second half yesterday you're asking trouble uh, and you're asking to bring trouble upon yourselves and, and that that's going to be a massive lesson for Kerry to have learned like it's a great exam for them to have gone through ahead of an All-Ireland final particularly against a Galway team who are happy enough to soak up possession and, and be patient in the first 15-20 minutes of a game as you saw in their last two outings but like it just made for a brilliant finale and to get it like to it's very rare in sports that we do get that one moment where the sides are level and it comes down to one last kick mm. um, but just between the jigs and the reels of everything playing out yesterday I think we were lucky enough to get that and like, people always say like, what was, it, was, it, was, it was Colin O'Rourke or, or, I think saying after saying oh, well, it was very unfair to see a game settled by one score would like to have gone to extra time this is exactly what people want like you mightn't want it if you're a Dublin fan like right now or in the immediate aftermath but that this is what you want in sport is you want these last minute clinchers from God knows how many yards to win it and God we got that yesterday yeah we sure did so the way the Sean O'Shea moment is supposed to go Dave is that the breeze is into him and he knows he's struggling for distance well you would think and he either snatches at the ball a touch with his technique and it goes left and wide or he doesn't make the full distance I mean it was 
and I, you know, Sheehan personified, he's on the show later on, but it was Brian Sheehan personified in that it was such a languid kicking style. It takes real uh, nous and uh, technical prowess to steady yourself, to not snatch at that kick, to let it flow. And I mean, he must have started that, what, 15 metres? Because he knew with that wind, once it started to turn, it was going to really turn. And he, he must have started that 15 metres wide of the post. It was just extraordinary, extraordinary kick. Yeah, it really was. It was, I think I said in commentary, it was one of the greatest frees we've ever seen in, in the history of Croke Park. Now, there were, there's a couple of nuances. It wasn't a classic game by any means. It was more akin to the 2011 and 2015 All-Ireland Finals rather than the 2013 and 2016 All-Ireland Semi-Finals. So it won't go down in the annals of the greatest games, but it certainly was one of the greatest finishes. And in some ways, it was a bit of a shot to nothing for him. I would have been very interested to see how he would have delivered that strike had it been to send the game to extra time. Mm. So in other words, if Kerry don't win, uh, score that free, they're out. Obviously, all of the pressure is on him then. Nobody expected him to score that. I thought it was outside his range, but the ball was still travelling when it went over the crossbar. I mean, had, had it been another 15 metres out, he probably still would have nailed it. It was just such a strike of purity and precision and the timing that is required. It didn't even look like he was really straining. It was just his usual style. I'd say he felt very little pressure because if the stakes were a little lower than that, he knew Kerry would, would go to extra time if he'd missed it. But then at the same time, they'd surrendered a six-point lead against a team that have had their number for the last 10 years and it would have been another situation in which this group of Kerry players were struggling to get over the line and in the end they fell over the line mm. I think this would have set them back years had they lost that game yesterday from the position they were in and I suspect and I'd say Dublin fans fear this might be the case in 10 years time we will look back on that Sean O'Shea free as Kerry's Cluxton moment the catalyst for several years of sustained success because I think they've got a severe monkey off their back now having mm. beaten their nemesis and come through real adversity in that last quarter of the game and it will really stand to them now because they've lost all the really big games they've played in the last three years they lost to Cork in 2020 they lost that replay in 2019 they couldn't get out of the group stage of the Super 8s in 2018 lost to Tyrone in their first real test last season it's a Kerry team that just don't win the big games and they haven't shown that they can take the pressure when it's at its highest until they fell over that line yesterday and under Jack O'Connor I suspect this is going to bring them on an awful long way and that could be the, the, the turning point for this group of Kerry players. The vast majority of their superstar players, their top players, mm. are in their early to mid-20s. So, I mean, these are the peak years ahead of them. They are poised. They are certainly poised. Dave McIntyre here, Richie McCormick here, Joe Malloy here, 53106, the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. We'll start the news round, which is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day and there's live football this evening Rich Yeah Northern Ireland's hopes of making the quarterfinals of Women's Euro 2022 appear all but over Kenny Shields side went down 2-0 to Austria in their second Group A game in Southampton this evening The North complete their campaign in the group against England that's on Friday and also at St Mary's Meanwhile England are unchanged for their meeting with Norway tonight there is an 8pm start at the Amex uh, it's been a really good start to the tournament and uh, I mean there's something lovely as well about the familiarity of uh, these games on at old stadiums for instance watching uh, Sweden against Netherlands at Bramall Lane at the weekend was kind of a nice uh, treat so uh, we will keep you updated across the course of the evening and then Nathan Collins we were wondering yep 
Yep, yep, yep. Looks like he's going back to the uh, to the Midlands. Uh, Wolves are in advance talks to sign Nathan Collins from Burnley. The Republic of Ireland defender is expected to command a fee in excess of €24 million. Euro. 21-year-old Collins only joined Burnley last year from Stoke, but he won a slew of new admirers with his Ireland performances last month. Manchester United were believed to be one of those teams involved. A bit from them, North, not forthcoming, but Wolves are about to lay the cash down for the Wicklow man. Mm. Wolves, Dave, thoughts? Yeah, very good club, very solid club, a club that have made huge progress since their return to the Premier League. And I think it was only a matter of time before someone came looking for him. Burnley isn't the place for him now that they've gone down and they're really struggling financially. And one wonders what the future is at that club. And they'll be delighted they've been able to get a fee as large as that for him. It's still all about potential for him. He's had a couple of great moments with Burnley. He's obviously had some very impressive performances with Ireland during the summer. But you just hope that he continues to make the progress he has been making. And if so, he could be one of our best players for the next 10 years or so. I think he's a Premier League player and he's gone straight back there. He hasn't had to spend any time in the Championship. And congratulations to him for a move that he richly deserves. I just hope he continues to build. Mm. Uh, Clifford of Freak says Tony 53106. Dave says, not Dave McIntyre, Dave says Dublin win that game with Con. I mean, they may very well win that game with Con. You'd have to think so. And uh, can we give mention of James McCarthy's point? A monster, says oh, Greg. What I a mean, score that, that was. That was just something. I mean, in so many ways, outside of the, the skill involved and the, the precision of technique he brought to that score, the moment he delivered it as well, and on the back of what he had done prior to that, and then indeed afterwards, some of the 50-50s he won, he won the next kick out, he batted the ball down for Kieran Kilkenny that led to the equalising score. Just a gargantuan performance from a man who played the full game on the back of very little football in the last couple of months. And you know There are arguments to be made that he's Dublin's greatest ever player, given what he's achieved and the way he's continuing to lead them. But if you'd fear from a Dublin point of view that Johnny Cooper taken off after 43 minutes, Dean Rock well past his best. I'm not sure how many touches he got from play yesterday, but mm. certainly fewer than five. Um, the inside forward line offered very little. Coslow had a quite a poor game despite the brilliance of his goal. And yes, Con transforms that attack. But these players, these great players of the last 10 years are going to continue to melt away into the distance over the next couple of years. And mm. you just do not see the replacements. It's a very weak Dublin bench at the moment. And while they probably will make an All-Ireland semi-final each year and get to the odd final and win the odd one, they're an awful long way from being any kind of a dominant side. I mean, that appears to be years away now. Well, that's going to be very interesting to see because certainly, like, I mean, many of us were uh, predicting Dublin would win five, six out of every... 10 All-Irelands given population and, and resources so I mean there's a degree of uh, having to reevaluate that now potentially because it does seem as if the awesome I mean it was an awesome standard but that does seem as if the, the talent pool has dried up a touch on uh, Con, I mean he does transform that situation though because I, I, I didn't I was in here Dave in studio so I didn't hear the commentary or what Kieran Donaghy made of it but there was a moment when you, you mentioned Dean Rock there maybe not quite where he was one of the only moments in the first half that Dublin kicked the ball inside. Dublin had a huge amount of possession between 45 and 60, 65 and just uh, going back and forth and, and, and not kicking the ball in really at all. Mm. And they did once early on and Dean Rock didn't really have that explosive burst to get ahead of his man and get to the ball and they didn't kick it in again. Paddy Small's introduction seemed to liven things up uh, a touch and that seemed to open out the space an awful lot. So you do suspect that Con in there and we've seen it even in this championship you do suspect that Con in there completely changes the nature of uh, what a defence have to deal with 
hundred percent. He he's a very complete inside forward, and the same guys as David Clifford who can win it in the air. He can win it out in front. He can tussle for a ball, a fifty-fifty ball that's coming in, maybe a, not where the service isn't of the highest quality. And Con offers that. They didn't really have any other sort of a player, or maybe Kieran Kilkenny if they played him in the full forward position. But he was played a little further out the field for the duration. In hindsight, Desi Farrell should have started Paddy Small because he had a big impact, and obviously he won that big ball in the air that was sent into him by Fenton that led to the free that Dean Rock kicked to equalise things and even in his heyday Dean Rock wouldn't have been the sort of player that was out in front winning the first ball he was the guy that you needed for the second ball yeah. and how many brilliant scores have we seen Dean Rock score coming around on the loop after somebody else has got out in front to win that ball that was bounced uh, gently and me- well measured into a forward's hands the problem is they didn't have that type of player that would allow Dean Rock to get himself mm. into those sorts of positions mm. and they persisted with the three players standing on the edge of the square none of them making a run outside and that is the reason why whenever a half forward or midfield player or indeed wing back looked up there was just nothing for them to kick the ball yeah, into so they yes. had to revert to a running game which they did pretty well in the second half and had Kerry on the run but they do need Khan spearheading that attack and they do need another couple of forwards like even guys that you know the likes of Paddy Andrews who would have delivered that sort of a role over the years um, Niall Scully's form seems to have dropped off a cliff he did not look confident when he came on in the second half and he, you would feel he's good enough to be starting if he's showing any kind of form at all so they probably played performed better in the championship than many of us would have anticipated they have potentially run the All-Ireland Champions to a point obviously Galway will feel they have a big say that and they're never going to be too far away but the drop-off in two years has been absolutely huge. There's no question about that. Yeah. Where are we going next, Rich? Uh, we'll get some reaction from that game. Sean O'Shea's 50-metre free. Saw Kerry beat Dublin in stoppage time to set up an All-Ireland final date with Galway. The Kingdom beating the Dubs 114 to 113. O'Shea's monster free was Kerry's third point of a half an hour in which they ceded ground to the Dubs. And Ashley O'Reilly asked Jack O'Connor after the game if the Kerry manager could stomach watching that kick. Oh, I was, I was, I was, I was. I was preparing for extra time because I didn't think it was kickable, but uh, he proved me wrong. Yeah. Right? A fair amount. Yeah. And are you happy that it, it ended in the normal time rather than oh, going yeah, to extra time? Yeah, look, our bodies were getting tired and we were unsure that we had enough, enough in the tank to, to get us through extra time. Just delighted to finish it. Colin Boyle, Brian Sheehan on the show later on. Uh, Novak Djokovic, meanwhile, says he's hoping for some good news from the United States as he looks to level Rafa Nadal's Grand Slam record inside this year. The Serb won his fourth Wimbledon title in a row yesterday with a four-set victory over Nick Kyrgios. It's his seventh Wimbledon title in all and the 21st of his career. However, immigration laws currently in place mean Djokovic cannot enter the States for next month's US Open as he remains unvaccinated against COVID-19. The 35-year-old wants to play at the season-ending Tour Championships in Turin in November as well and was asked about his forthcoming schedule or lack thereof after yesterday's final. I, I am on vacation. Uh, whether or not I'm playing any tournament soon, I'll, I'll definitely be resting for the next couple of weeks because it has been a quite exhausting and demanding period for me in the last few months. A lot of tennis, which I was very happy about and I got what I wanted here. And then I'll wait, hopefully, for some good news from, from USA because I would really love to go there and that would be... The, probably the next big tournament, the next big swing, you know, playing a tournament or two before US Open and US Open. If that doesn't happen, then I have to see what, what the schedule will look like. To be honest, I doubt that I'll go and chase points, as I understand from, from my agent today, that I, you know, winning Grand Slam will qualify you for, for World Tour Finals unless you're out of top 20, which I don't know. I mean, with accumulated points so far, I guess I'll make top 20. I, I guess I have a good chance to, to, to be already in, in the finals, so I will not burden myself to really have to go and play, you know, 
tournaments and get points. I hadn't realised actually the US still had an immigration situation with unvaccinated, uh, well, people, certainly sports people as well. So we'll talk to Caitlin Thompson about that. She's with us uh, this hour to reflect on Wimbledon generally. Rich, you have some reaction from New Zealand? Yeah, Andy Farrell says Peter O'Mahony is on track to play in Saturday's decisive third test with the All Blacks. According to the head coach, O'Mahony has passed his second HIA with a third still to come. Keith Earls, meanwhile, with Captain Ireland for tomorrow's midweek game with the Mary All Blacks in Wellington. The Munster man is named in midfield, along with Ulster's Stuart McCloskey. And Farrell says the players named to start tomorrow morning's game are chomping at the bit. Yeah, there's always going to be disparities between between that team and, and the test team that played at the weekend because it's... When you when you put two or three kids into um, into a, a good side, say the test side, then you know everyone gets dragged along. But when you put everyone in together, that's not really at that type of experience. Then obviously cohesion uh, is very is very hard to come by. But they've had ten days to, to learn all those lessons and be more disciplined, be more accurate. Um, uh, make sure that they're, they're not too desperate and understand what it takes to to, to win a, a a big game. And this this certainly is a big game for them uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, I guess it is in many ways. They look like a scratch side who hadn't played together, which was basically because they were a scratch side who hadn't played together in the first match against the Marys. So uh, as Farrell says there, you would think time together on the training pitch should improve things tomorrow. And then, of course, Dave... We have the uh, piece de resistance on Saturday in uh, Wellington. This uh, should be a hell of a game. What struck you about Saturday, Test 2? Um, the thing that I will remember most on the test was just the confusion around the numbers with the officials in New Zealand in that period before half time mm. because I was actually watching the New Zealand commentary and um, I, I only saw a glimpse of the game Saturday so I watched the game back in full this morning on YouTube and so I was I was listening to uh, Sky Sport New Zealand and they had absolutely no idea what was happening I don't think Jakob Piper knew what was happening yeah. the New Zealand bench certainly didn't understand what the situation was and um, so that certainly led to a really bizarre last 15-20 minutes in the first half. From an Irish point of view, their their precision was and their accuracy was massively improved. Like scrum and lineouts, so set piece which let them down so badly in the first test, they had tuned that really well and they had they were able to launch some of their set plays off a really good line out in scrum I thought Porter and Tyke Furlong stood up brilliantly again uh, in the tight but obviously in, in the loose Porter was phenomenal getting his two tries what a performance from Peter O'Mahony continually been written off by people and yet something in the All Blacks seems to bring out the best of Peter O'Mahony he had that great jibe to Sam Kane as well I'm sure um, people might have picked that up on, on social media over the weekend as well were a reference to, to Richie McCall and they've they finally gone and done what no Irish side has done before and people might point well the red card but look that's part of the game that's a New Zealand issue it was their ill discipline and they didn't time that tackle very well and again people will throw the whole well it's not a World Cup semi-final but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy this for what it is it's mm. an Irish team in green making history mm. yes it's not where they want to be in a year's time few will remember this test with any degree of fondness if they meet the All Blacks in a World Cup quarterfinal and take a spanking from them absolutely that goes without saying but that doesn't mean you can't take joy out of what we saw on Saturday an Irish team going where no Irish team has ever gone before you're a SH1T Richie McCaw is what uh, Peter Amani yeah said to yeah. Sam Kane. I mean, that's, that's quite the put down. What do you say back to that? Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's tricky. You're, you're, you're slightly affronted. Ron Nagar was on the show yesterday. You can watch it back on 
uh, YouTube where you'll get it on the OTB Sports app as well which is in your app store uh, he reckoned Richie that was uh, as good a Sexton performance as Sexton has had and Sexton's had quite a few good performances yeah again much like when uh, Peter Mahoney gets written off it tends to be when he steps up and makes those amazing performances and similarly with the whole world and his granny saying that Jonathan Sexton should be playing the second test because of concerns over uh, perceived head injuries or concussions he goes in and puts a performance like that and then I was listening to this morning like the, the there's, there is a sense that Joey Carberry almost has to start this third test because he needs to be road tested at that level um, but like it's that thing of we were talking about in the show last week whereby Yes, there is a sense that we do need to move on or at least be preparing a successor. But you can't cast aside a player with that level of ability, with that level of game management and no. that level of nous so readily. Just like just for the like everybody loves the new shiny thing, like absolutely everybody. And that's grand. But you can't toss aside something like that because just for the sake of it and just because of vague concerns that aren't, you know, grounded in any science or fact needs to play your best players and right now he's still oh. uh, he's given me hope uh, that they can yeah. still put in a performance of my age but he's like still one of our best players and that is something to be treasured much like winning on New Zealand soil for the first time is ah shiny old thing he's our best I mean he's our best player yeah. he just is he's, he's a freak of nature Harry and Loud was O'Shea's kick as good as Morris Fitz in Thurless 01 oh well don't make us pick a favourite child here how can we split those two <laughs> there was obviously a, a certain finesse and prettiness and Outside of the boot is a beautiful thing. Fitzgerald, I mean, I don't and it know. was to equalise as well. Yeah, Kerry were gone if that ball doesn't go over the bar. Yeah, and I'm fairly sure there was nobody rattling the posts as well. I'm not sure if you saw that yeah. video that was doing the rounds that tried to pull O'Shea off. I'm not sure what use <laughs> it would have done, but sure. It's funny, you know, because afterwards I was chatting to Paddy Andrews and James Dunne here, and I was making the point. I had seen shots of like Kilkenny shaking hands with Jack O'Connor, and I was making the point to the lads. I was like, and, and another thing, wasn't it great to see the game played in the right spirit? And then about a half hour later, I saw the shot of em- uh, coming for shaking the post, and I thought, well, okay, <laughs> uh, a few dark arts in there as well. There is a text in from Galway, Martin and Galway. That's it, lads. Keep big and carry up. What did they score in the <laughs> second half? Tribesmen loving it. Uh, keep up the Kerry have won it mantra. Suits Galway down to the ground. Monty and Galway. I don't think anyone's actually said Kerry have won it. Uh, we were reflecting. Although I do think Kerry have won it, Dave. <laughs> I think Galway really fancy their chances. And they have the sorts of players, particularly going forward, that will be able to do some real damage to a Kerry defence that has been very impressive all year. I think that, that goal from Costello is just the second goal from play that Kerry have conceded in 15 games in all competitions this season. So Jack O'Connor is really tightening things up at the back. And likewise, they have got some very accomplished defenders Liam Silk did a brilliant job on McGuigan on Saturday I thought and Sean Kelly's a very convincing fullback and they have guys who can break with speed as well in the wing back position so it's um, it'll be interesting I think Harry will be a bit more direct I couldn't believe the the t- amount of times that Derry turned down the opportunity to pump the ball in on top of the Galway goalkeeper who had an absolute nightmare against Armagh they put Connor Glass in at the edge of the square for much of the game and never sent the ball into him. I mean, that was inexplicable. I don't understand what Rory Gallagher's thinking was behind that unless he had asked them to do it and the players decided out on the field that that wasn't going to be the case. But a goalie carry final has a real sense of tradition and aristocracy to it and two counties that like to play the game in a, in a certain way and it's going to be a really good final. Like, I can't wait for it. As a dub, obviously disappointed, but... We're hugely looking forward to this. I wouldn't quite call it a 50-50 game. I think Kerry would be favourites going into it. But Galway will feel they have every chance. And what will it mean to Mayo fans? I mean, 89, 96, 97, they lose the All-Ireland finals. Galway rock up a year later, win the All-Ireland. 
Mayo lose the All-Ireland Finals of 2012, 13, 16, 17, 20 and 21. Galway potentially rocking up in 2022 and winning an All-Ireland in their first final in 21 years. That would sicken the Mayo supporters again. Again, yeah. There's something very impressive about Joyce and the way he's gone about his business, you have to say. Uh, we'll talk about that game in more detail as well after a nine. Brian Shee and Colin Boyle are going to join us. Um, any thoughts on keepers coming up the field when there's no pace in the attack and things are <laughs> stagnant and just hanging around waiting for a turnover? I mean, uh, clear that one up for me, please, as well. Add off the ball on Twitter. I, I just don't understand it. Uh, Comer's finish, really brilliant as well. So Galway uh, and Kerry will be discussed at length after nine. Rich, do you want to bring us a last story or two? Yeah, Shamrock Rovers have received a twin boost ahead of the second leg of their Champions League qualifier in Malta. Manager Stephen Bradley has revealed that Jack Byrne and Graham Burke will both be involved against Hibernians. Rovers take a 3-0 lead into tomorrow evening's game following the first leg and Tala Progress will guarantee them another two rounds in Europe. A Manchester United boss Eric Ten Hag insists Cristiano Ronaldo isn't for sale and remains in his plans for next season. The Portugal forward had reportedly expressed his desire to leave the Premier League club. Ronaldo's agent has also been sounding out interest in the 37-year-old with Chelsea and Bayern Munich among those approached. Ten Hag has also confirmed Harry Maguire will remain as United captain for the forthcoming season, but United midfielder Andreas Pereira today completed a 10 million euro move to Fulham. So that's an interesting line in Richie's uh, piece there, Dave. Ronaldo's agent has been sounding out interest. They've checked with Chelsea and Bayern Munich. I can't think there is much interest beyond, obviously, the commercial benefits. Yeah. Who wants to buy Ronaldo at this age? with the money that he will be commanding. Any club with a really long-term project is not bringing Cristiano Ronaldo to the club. Maybe he wants one crack at the Champions League, but I mean, there's only two or three clubs that I would consider having a real shot at winning the Champions League next season. It's Liverpool, City, Bayern Munich, Real. I mean, the obvious ones, but he's not going to any of those clubs. PSG maybe, but I mean, they always, they've already thrown an awful lot of money at Messi and then it's Kylian Mbappe in his new deal. There's nowhere for him to go. So they can sound out all they want, but I really do not see him having any other option bar staying at Old Trafford or taking a huge pay cut to go somewhere else. Well, he's mm. taking a pay cut to stay. That's that's the problem. It was buried. Well, in I don't a, think he's had any choice in that one, though. Yeah, that's the that's, thing. Like he's, he's basically them not qualifying for the Champions League means yeah. he's taking a 25% cut in wages. And that's ultimately the reason why he wants out there. He's like, right. no, I want full money. Uh, so whoever's willing to give him that, and as Dave mentioned, there aren't too many candidates, yeah. is where he'll end up next. But he's running out of road. Uh, Rich, people might be interested in Andy McEntee. Yeah, he uh, looks like making a swift return to inter-county management and with Antrim. He ended his six-year reign with Meath just a month ago, but is the Antrim Management Committee's preferred candidate to replace Enda McGinley. Uh, McEntee's appointment will be rubber-stamped at a county committee meeting tonight. And Wayne Rooney. Yeah, he's off to uh, America again. He appears to be close to becoming the new head coach of DC United. The former Derby boss will return to the MLS side he played for between 2018 and 2019. Rooney left his role at Derby last month, having overseen a club which had struggled through administration, but he's now off to the States. Okay, very good. Uh, Richie, thank you. Cheers, lads. Dave McIntyre, appreciate it, Dave. Cheers. Thanks, guys.